and welcome to the latest Scots Wehe podcast. And tonight I'm joined by singer-songwriter Annie Booth. Hello, Annie. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. And we're having this podcast really to mark the release of your latest album, Lazy Body, which is out now. How does it feel that it's out? How do you know? I mean, you know, you, you build up for these things and you work so hard on them and now it's out. How are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling relieved. I'm feeling overwhelmed by lovely feedback and comments. And yeah, I, I'm just grateful that we got to this point. I think we did a lot of work to arrive here, and um, I'm glad that it's out there for people to hear finally. So was it worked on mainly during kind of COVID and lockdown or were you already, were songs already in place before that? So 10 out of the 11 tracks had been written pre-lockdown. Um, and I've been asked that before because I think they sort of um, unwittingly are quite pandemic -y in some of the lyrical content and nature and it's not at all it's a complete coincidence and I was just listening back to them going oh no people are gonna think cocoons just about like sitting in the flat but in a, in a weird way it's not a bad thing it means if, if more people can get comfort for it from it or connect with it you know then then there's nothing wrong with that you know I, I do want to provide that uh with my song as much as I can so if it does lead to more uh universal understanding then, then there's nothing wrong with that to me well it's a, it's a really interesting point because I think um everything comes into when you listen to an album where you listen to it, the time you listen to it, all sorts of different things and when you put the songs out there I, I presume you're putting them out there for people to make their own interpretations of because I get from you as a musician that you're not going to leave people by the nose and say well this is what this is about it's up you write the songs and other people kind of almost take ownership of them themselves is that right yeah i think there are plenty of incredible artists who write very direct very clear cut pop songs perfect pop songs who are uh, brilliant at doing that and i think although i do have a a pop thread maybe going through my music, I still think it's a bit more uh, cloaked in kind of uncertainty and uh, kind of up to people's interpretation because that's just what I like to listen to. And there are times where I want to listen to something a bit more clear and, and direct and other times where I want to listen to something that I, I don't need to understand what they're talking about or need to know in, in great detail what every single line is about if I'm just connecting to the music and, and the the emotion of the singer then then that's great so that's yeah if that makes sense that's that's what I'm looking for it really does because I think with your songs um a not just in this album but previous work as well there's almost the the, the mood and the atmosphere you create is almost as important as the song because you you, you hear the song first and then perhaps you go back and, and you'll dig into the lyrics but there's a kind of atmosphere that you create which um is open to interpretation yeah i i've always felt it's important to follow the song uh whatever the song needs 
and sometimes that's really obvious and other times for example like with the track cocoon it can take ages and ages to finally get it right um but that's what I've kind of learned this year more than ever is it's weird sometimes going under my own name like using the name Anuith because a lot of the time it doesn't feel like it's about me it's this kind of um it's two things existing at once like it's inherently me and it's yeah. about my life my experiences but at the same time this is a great way to channel music and ideas and experimentation and in a way it's not me at all it's just it's the project and it's the songs and that can be kind of freeing in a way and do you feel that in your songs you're kind of telling stories and that's how people often mistake you know they maybe wouldn't do that with um someone who writes fiction or something like that they would understand that there's a division there between the writer and the writing but maybe with music people tend to think you know no, this is directly from you it's certainly blurred because I'm using my own name. It's me on the cover or in music videos. And sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's very, very personal. Other times it's, uh, you know, fragments of memory and uh, lyrical phrases that have just floated into my head and I've sewn it all together. And then other times, for example, with the song Ruby on the album, it's not really about me. It's, it's a little bit, it's got me in it but it's it's not really it's more about a character and it's about um imagining life from the eyes of that character and I would like to write more in that way in a, in a less um egotistical way and in a more uh, like storytelling um approach would that would be really cool but I, I do think it's blurred I think the the lines are blurred sometimes between like what even is authentic what is mm -hmm. what is true like it's like if you're doing music some of it is going to be authentic and some of it isn't and that's always shifting I think I think as well it's, it's interesting that people will go away and take that you know you said that you you wondered if people would think this was a lockdown album and I guess partly that's because there does seem to be reflection on the on, on the past there so people might think oh this is about the recent past rather than just perhaps not even your past but just a, a, a story that you wanted to tell the song failure on the album is just like all it is is two words repeated over and over but again if you didn't know you'd be like oh about it's about that failure about that one but what's nice about it is when you have a mantra like that and you're repeating it and it's just the atmosphere of the song then hopefully if people do enjoy that track or just the immediacy of it hopefully it can be relevant anytime you feel like you're not moving forward in the way you, you want to or you're um you know you're maybe a little bit static and immobile like hopefully it, it, that can be relevant at any point you know yeah it's not just the two words because at the beginning of that track there's the most almighty sigh <laughs> i'd wonder if that was one of Oh, finished or what it was. <laughs> well, Failure was, as with a lot of the album, some of it, a lot of it is is very deliberate. Some of it is just creative limitations where I'm maybe not playing well enough or have done takes and it's not quite working. Failure is one of those songs where I was at the point, I was so tired and we were running out of time. I was like, are we, is this track gonna work? 
um, because I found playing my guitar and uh, what we ended up using, which is quite nice, was I think it was the first or the second take of the guitar. And it was nice because I think we'd done a track previously where the story was completely different. And I was just like, I'm never going to do this track. I never did this track. Fally, you're just kind of arrived, which was really nice. We're like, I was like, you know what, that, that's a really good take. And then the vocal is a guide track. So that wasn't meant to be the lead vocal, but I just thought it's maybe with the sigh as well, <laughs> captured both my frustration with uh, the recording process, but also, yeah, just the it's just the bittersweet feel of the song, and I thought we should keep it and keep it completely uh, clean as a vocal because I think it, even though it's full of flaws, it, it's it sort of just it's just what value you needed. It's it's kind of intense, but but close and warm, and it was just it was just what I wanted. And sometimes it's also knowing when to leave stuff. I think people might listen to it and go, oh, it sounds a bit rough and ready. Maybe it could have been recorded and played better. They're probably right, but. I liked it like that and thought it was important for the song. So. I think it works really well, almost as a little microcosm of the album as a whole, because you can read into it whatever you like, and in a way you, you can't be wrong, you know, you know, it, it, people will take it, take on to it uh, what, what they will. So in terms of recording, how did you manage to do that? Because was that something that had to happen during lockdown, the actual getting musicians together and, and collaboration? Yeah, obviously during times where things lifted, so obviously there wasn't any meeting up when we weren't allowed to meet up. There was I used the time in the flat to organise a lot of stuff, you know, like apply for the Creative Scotland funding, you know, have initial meetings and plans with Chris McCrory, who produced the album. Uh, just just praying that we'd get the funding, really. And then when I did, I just, I think this was in, like, end of August or something I just couldn't believe it I was so so happy to be able to record in um, these two studios Cam 19 and, and Green Door uh, and then yeah I think it was around like I think August I'd already preemptively like organized practices and stuff because it was like either way this album's happening should we get in a practice room it was just like me and two other guys at this point and we were just um we were just trying to like prep the album and I couldn't I couldn't have imagined how many layers would end up being on it you know I I, I had a dream of having like strings on it I was like oh I've always wanted to work with strings I hope we can make that possible but you know it would have been okay if not but but eventually you know that was all back and forth so I didn't actually meet with um with Rona the strings at all until literally on the day she came into the studio I think this was in October and um that was just a, a brilliant day because we were all exhausted by that point. Like just, just so much work and so much little time. And the strings were like, ah, oh, these are nice and smooth. And I bet Rona and Rachel did the strings didn't feel like that. They probably worked super hard and were doing it really intensely. But for me, I was like, oh, pretty strings. That's just what I need right now. So that was, that was a good day recording. And did, basically the the funding that you got is was that something that then allowed you to make the album you always wanted to make or would it just have been different it it would have just been different um because i don't think that more money or more well sometimes but not 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 necessarily more money doesn't necessarily equal better sure. you know you can make something better on a lower budget i still think 
the, the first album I made, which was for hardly any money and not very many people, is a very different album and has different strengths and is better in some ways. Um, but on the other hand, it did allow me to bring compositions that in some ways, in terms of the harmony or melodies I'd not done before or yeah, new inspirations, it gave me a chance to bring those to life um, with the strings or elements I'd not worked with, like I'd not worked with pedal steel before and I'd not incorporated um, sort of retro vintage synths and this kind of styling in this way before. And and the funding did allow me to, to work in these ways and to work with fantastic musicians. Um, in a way that yeah I just wouldn't have been able to afford it really just wouldn't be able to accomplish it so that was that was really really great. So when you start off with your songs um do you just do you just write the songs yourself and that's it and then how do you decide what you're moving forward to do you think right this is going to end up in an album or can you not think that way how does the kind of from the very beginning lead through to this point now where you're releasing an album? I think it's a little unusual for me because I know some people who are absolutely brilliant writers and they'll write way, way, way more than they need, like full, full length songs, you know, like 20, 30 songs, and then they'll cut and whittle down from those songs to the to the album they want to have. And I'm really not like that. I'm very lazy in a lot of ways. I will not write anything for ages. And then I'll write a song in like half an hour or I'll write two songs in the space of two days and they'll just, they'll just arrive. It's, it's like, um, it's just trusting what feels, what feels natural and right at the time. Cause sometimes the more right it feels when you've just written it if you still feel like that years later it's a sign that something you're going to be happy with for ages if that makes sense um whereas often for me if it's something that's, that's awkward to begin with it, cocoon was one of those ones where i didn't know if that was going to work but it did work hopefully uh but yeah i i i write little snippets so i you know maybe i'll like come up with a melody or but, but it could be like a 20 second thing that I'll just record on my phone I don't really count, count those as songs mm -hmm. but in terms of full length songs I think it was just other than one track that I wrote during that lockdown period it was just over a period of time from about 2019 till about early 2020 I was like that's when the album's finished and I wrote them as individual songs I didn't write loads and loads and loads of songs I think Chris was a little bit like, you sure you don't want to write more songs? I was like, nah, I think this feels this feels like the album. And this is probably maybe not the right decision making, but but here you go. These are the songs. And because your your last album, uh, An Unforgiving Light, was 2017, was that right? Okay, so we yeah. So did you I mean, you've, you've mentioned that you, you, in some ways you think that's, well, it's a very different album and perhaps in some ways a, a, a better album. Um, well, that's the wrong thing to say. Let's just say a different, a very different album from what went, because I, I love them both. But do you, so do you compare what's done before? Do you look back and think, okay, um, I, I would do that differently? Or do you just think that was right for that time? It was right for that time and the sort of more polished kind of 
indie rock thing that was going through that album made a lot more sense for Unforgiving Light. And I do think this album in some ways is much more ambitious, like the new one's much more ambitious and more complex in terms of arrangement and harmony and, you know, in, in some ways it's a lot more honest. Some of the lyrics are a lot more direct and honest and I think you're right that I shouldn't really use words like better or worse, you know, of course there's technical things that, there are loads of technical things in this album that if I look back I, I could have done it better, but part of why I love music is it's taking that really crippling part of me sometimes, the kind of perfectionist, oh I'm terrible at everything, I'm not good enough at anything, I shouldn't do anything. So it's just ignoring it because it's for projects for a release and it's trying to ignore those voices and be decisive because I would much rather have something that overall I love and I'm happy with, even if it's got flaws, than to just never make anything. You know, even if I was to make, I don't think I have it in me, to be honest. I think there are genius people out there who probably do masterwork after masterwork, but I think even if I did have a, like a masterwork in me, I'd, I wouldn't really want to wait 20 years to, to make it. I would prefer just to to make something that was fun to make and challenging to make and release it now. And maybe that's why I'm drawn to music and and uh, this kind of thing, because it's so immediate and it's so, um, uh, I don't want to use the word honest because I just said, I don't know what authenticity is, but you know, you know where I'm coming from. It is honest and it's, it's uh, it's just about being in the moment. And, and I'm also very aware that, you know, the, the next brilliant artist is just around the corner as well. And that's what's the, I, I'm excited to hear new artists and, and what they've got to offer and brand new albums. Like there've been so many good albums this year, like so many albums that I was like, oh, I wish I wrote that. Like, that's a really good album. Wow, that's amazing. Like, like the new Calum Easter is just, just brilliant. Uh, a huge fan of Lizzie Reed. Um, heard a few tracks of Lindsay Clark's album, I need to listen to the full thing. Finn Anderson, I mean, there's there's people I'm forgetting, but I'm, I was also just really happy to be in a year where Scottish folk are releasing really cool albums. You know, it's it's just great, uh, great hearing that. And I can't wait to also hear like the next 17 year old who writes something that you're like, wow, it's really blown me away. And it'll be, it'll be around, you know? So is that love of music at the centre of why, this is like a daft question, is that at the centre of why you do it? It's not particularly, um, as you say, to say, well, I, I need to make a masterwork or this next one needs to be something, anything like that. You know, I love music, I love listening to other people's music and I love making music and really that's at the heart of it. Mainly, yeah. I think there was a few years ago I, I did want to, you know, like, oh, be the best I can be and achieve as much as I can. And, you know, I think, it's been a really hard year and the more time goes on, the more I am like trying to remember why, why I've done this for a wee while. And I think it, it did always come from loving going to gigs and, and just enjoying the local music scene. Like I remember seeing We Were Promised Jetpacks when I was like 15 and being like, ah, oh, this is the coolest thing in the world. These guys are incredible. And just little teenage self was, was so happy. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's that's sometimes it's really difficult, and sometimes I'm like I I don't really know exactly what I'm doing. 
and I think some people are much better at it than me but then it's trying to remember why I'm doing it and often it comes back to because it's expressing myself and it's being creative and the less about um me I make it in a weird way the better I feel um you know maybe it would be cool to write something that wasn't under my name or just there's the project I did uh solo weather with with Chris um where we sorry there's a siren going past sorry about that um that was quite cool because it was a meeting of both our styles and ideas um but there wasn't really any expectation for what it needed to sound like or any expectation I had of myself for oh I need it to sound like this it was just like a cool project that was very collaborative and um and it was great to work with Chris again you know because we had that experience of of working in that way um but yeah I I think I do sometimes struggle with I think we've been talking about this in space in this chat but the very much the whole um persona and charisma that needs to come with this kind of thing that you know I don't think I'm a natural born performer in that way in a weird way but but on stage I feel like Oh, I'm not explaining this very well. You'll have to help me out. I think well, just... well, I would say that I um, I understand. I think you're saying that maybe there's a, a, a confidence. You, I think maybe you're not, um, when you're talking like you are, thinking, well, I'm not really confident maybe putting all myself out there. But when I've seen you live, I will say that audiences are, you know, rap because you know you've got the song, you've got the voice, and there is a presence on stage, whether you're aware of it or not. But there certainly is, and uh, but I do think I understand what you're saying. It's that kind of. But sometimes when you see the confidence in other people, I think we all have this to an extent. It's it's just below the surface is that same doubt. I know I have it. You know, people see me talking like this on podcasts and actually you think, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous every time I do one of these and I've done loads. And I'm, I don't know what you're like. With, yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what you're like with gigs. Do you ever get to the stage where you think, oh, I'm not, I, I, I'm fine. I just go up and I'll play because I've never had that, you know, talking or, you know, introducing. No, I mean, maybe the closest I got to that was playing with my dad. You know, I still get a bit nervous, but they weren't my songs and I was doing backing vocals so uh, and it was like having the support of the band around me so you know maybe I'll get a little bit nervous but ultimately but when it's my stuff I get I get it doesn't matter how much I've taught myself down I just physically biologically still get nervous the launch gig I did recently which was a fantastic night my throat was still super dry I was super nervous and it was annoying because I was like ah, oh, I wish I just wish I wasn't this nervous because I don't there's no need to be like but yeah, um, I think you're right. I, I think, uh, yeah, maybe that is what's quite special about performing in a weird way is, is um, you can be quite a nervous or an anxious person, but on stage, it's like the, the parameters are different. Um, and it's, it's very, you're very in the moment. And when things are going well, it's almost like a flow state where you're like, you're not even really worrying about an inner monologue or, you're just you're just enjoying the music and enjoying what's what's uh arriving on stage and yeah those are the most special moments or when you're just purely in the moment and you're not worrying about who you are really or what people think of you or 
um, what's happened in the past. It's just it's just a very visceral present thing. And also you've got um, a group of people that are in the audience who are there to hear and see you. And, you know, on the whole, I mean, obviously you play sometimes support acts and things like that, but yeah, I, mean, I know that sometimes doesn't help that, you, that people still get anxious and you can say all the um, comforting things that happen and it still happens. And I know that I get that as well, but what I try and tell myself is that, you know, most of the people here are on your side and that can be a comforting thing too. And the people on stage with it, if you're on with other musicians, they're on your side. And I think that's interesting about perhaps not having that um, anxiety when playing in a band, because one, there's a kind of sharing of that as well. And as you've mentioned a few times, it's not under your name, which yeah. even kind of existentially is something that you go, oh God, People are thinking these are Annie, these songs are Annie Booth, which you know were actually the the songs which Annie Booth writes, which is a different thing. Exactly, exactly. And it, or it's like the the monologue of like, oh, what if people like the album and then they see it, they see me doing my own album live and it's not as good or it's not good enough or or a, a amazing band are playing with me and I let the band down because I don't play as well as I should have. And it's all nonsense because that's not why people or I don't think that's why people go to gigs. And if there are people like that, that's that's fair enough. But I think people go to gigs for a connection and to take their minds off their lives and to just really uh, enjoy being in the moment, I think. Um, I did get really nervous before the launch gig we just did, but it was a lovely night. You know, um, the uh, the folk there were, just, were really lovely and warm and, supportive and the band they did seem to enjoy playing the songs which was really reassuring to me and made me really happy because you don't want to feel your dragon folk through it and and it was really great to see them get into their performance and really going for it um and they're just all fantastic musicians in their own right you know like at least three two, you know three of them are singer songwriters rona mcfarlane Mm -hmm. uh, one and uh, Jack Richardson, all brilliant uh, writers and singers already. So maybe they do get what it's kind of like to to do that, to write albums and to write music in that way. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. And also three great examples of what you were talking about earlier about how Scottish music at the moment. There's just so many great musicians releasing stuff, and and often collaborating with other musicians. I think that's one of the things I'm noting at the moment is there's some really interesting and lovely collaborations, not just between musicians, but across genres or people working in different genres. I mean, it's really quite exciting. Yeah, definitely. And, and there's also collaborations that I haven't listened to yet that because I've just been really busy lately, I haven't got around to. Like I saw that uh, Poster Paints have released singles lately and I really need to take the time to listen to it because that's Carla, Carla Jason, right? Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, and it's always really exciting when an act kind of goes a new direction or or experiments with different sounds and ideas and and can create something really fresh and new because they've not boxed themselves in and they're open to the ideas of someone else. Like that's always really cool. And you, you've mentioned uh, the slow weather, which you worked with Chris. Maybe tell a, a, a little bit more about that for people who missed it, because it was an EP, Clean Living. 
that came out and uh, I thought it was a, a great album, uh, EP. And did that just come about from you already working together? And you said, let's do something together. Yeah, uh, in 2018, I recorded my EP Spectral, yeah. um, which was four tracks. I recorded that with Chris at his parents' house and we'd never properly met before. I think we'd met once before and we just really got on and chatted a lot of the time. We probably used some of the time we could have been recording chatting <laughs> and uh, just kind of um, having cups of tea and stuff. And he had a, a really cute cat as well that I was like going to have a look at and see. So that was nice. Um, but yeah, just um, we were sort of like, yeah, that was fun. And so, you know, next time in Glasgow, we could always like write something. And then we ended up, every time we'd meet up, we'd write a, a track. And that was just the order we wrote those songs in was the order of the EP. And again, that just felt, it felt right. It felt like a good progression because it reflected, you know, this chronology of, of us meeting. And, and it was very like, immediate and we tried to to not edit the songs too much and just keep them very simple and you know it's I I'm I'm still pretty fond of it um because again it's not you know it's it's um it was just very spontaneous uh, especially the writing stage that's an, that idea that doing something spontaneous maybe doesn't carry with it the pressure that you might feel having worked on songs over a period of time and then having worked on the album over a period of time. I wonder if uh, if you feel that yourself now that, you know, Lazy Body's out. Do you feel that there's not just a pressure that other people are hearing these songs, but then that there's, yeah, that there's judgment implied on it? I mean, do you worry about that? I did a lot before. Um... I maybe to an extent, but weirdly, the minute the album was mixed, mastered, finished, just felt like a weight had been lifted a little bit because I just felt there's nothing more I can do now. We've we've done it, we've achieved it, and it's just letting go a little bit. And I've not really felt, you know, terrified about people hearing it because we can't change the album now. <laughs> this is the album, and and I'm proud of loads of it and you know, it's not why I've done it in this, it's not why I've made this album, is to worry about how it's gonna be received. I think maybe when I was making it, I wanted it to be the best it could possibly be within those constraints and that those contexts. Um, but the minute they got finished, it's like, you just you just let go of it. And, and, and there are also more important things in life. And I've really found that out this year that, you know, things like taking care of your mental health and family stuff and and just there's a lot of elements of life that are more important than a good review you know having said that like people have said some really lovely things about the album and I'm really really grateful for that and it does make you feel like oh it's not like it's gone into the void like people have heard it and it's lovely um but it's just tempering it with I was a lot worse for caring what caring about what people thought about me, and I still do, but I'm I'm less bothered now because there are more important things in life. Yeah. You know, and it's it's a it's if there is that kind of 
like you say, this fragility under this kind of uh, posturing, like, oh, I need to project this um, this big confident thing, then clearly there's there's more going on. Like, if yeah. you have to project this uh, exaggerated kind of swagger because, like, maybe there is something you need to deal with underneath that, if that's what you, if you're trying to, I'm, I'm not explaining this very well, but all I'm trying to say is that I think I did care more about reviews and stuff before. I think now I'm happier just to, just to try and let go and, and be happy to have reached this point. It's interesting. I was doing a, a podcast with a writer, Graham McCray Burnett, talking about his latest book, Case Study. And he said, you know, the weight that he felt was once the book was finished and he put it out there, and it's actually had really good reviews, the same as your album has had great um, reviews so far, um, is that, he said, well, that, I, I can do nothing about that. I can do nothing about how people feel about it, feel about it. I'm pleased with it. I've done my best with it. And almost like, you know, let it set sail into the future. And it does sound like that's what you're talking about as well. Absolutely. It's not saying that I've not done anything since the album was finished. You know, I, I've tried to put effort into talking about it on social media and I've loved having chats like this. this. I mean, this has been lovely so far. It's felt like a really kind of honest kind of open chat. It's nice. Um, and two music videos I'm really pleased with, like one in particular is by Rosie School. It's just filming Chris and his girlfriend Ailish around Edinburgh. They were going for a walk around and uh, it was just hopefully very natural. But that's the thing is none of that stuff though affects the album, <laughs> the no. content of the album, the writing of the album. It's just a way to hopefully give cool images and uh, extra layers of meaning to the album and hopefully leads to a few more people listening to it but it has no bearing on that album. Like that's up to the listener. I can't do anything else at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a sense of perspective, I think, with anything that we do that's difficult sometimes to keep a hold of, um, uh, but it's, it's kind of necessary. I think you're right. You're talking about the things that you realize and last year, the last two years has been a big one for kind of showing many people what actually is important, definitely. And I also have to say, I think there'll be plenty of people uh, who hear the album that'll be saying, I wish I had written those songs. So, you know, don't think it goes that way. I, I know, like, I can see you rolling your eyes. But <laughs> um, so, have you, is it all about Lazy Body now? Or do you um, think about what comes next? Or touring? Or, or what is it? Is it just, um, uh, do you take things as they come? I... I'm bad for that at the moment. It does feel like a lot was leading up to the album release and the album live launch gig. I am sometimes quite bad at planning for the future. Um, I don't really have a lot of gigs coming up. I don't have a lot planned. I feel like a lot of it was getting to this this point and I'm, I'm happy about that. Um, I'd, I'd like to do some some more live things that kind of gave me a taste for that again I think that was the second gig I'd done all year uh that album launch I'd done one supporting James Yorkston uh at the album halls um sort of outside stage and then this was the second gig I'd done so uh, it would be nice to do a few more because it's, it's been a long time um but yeah um I don't really uh, just 
just trying to see what what will be. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now that the album's out there, you know, hopefully it will reach the audience uh, it deserves, and um, I'm sure the plaudits will continue. Annie, thanks so much for uh, having a chat. At times there, I forgot we were recording ourselves, which was actually <laughs> really nice to do. So thank you very much. It's okay. I, I should say as well, I haven't mentioned last night from Glasgow, my label, but you know they have supported me so much through the process and are releasing it on vinyl and CD. Uh, the records are delayed till December, but I think the CDs are out just now. And you know, if, if you are a fan of vinyl, then like you can get it, but just a bit later, basically. So if people go to last night from Glasgow uh, website, then they can pick it up from there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure people will. Thanks again, Annie. It's been such a delight talking to you. You too. Thank you very, very much. And we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Mm -hmm.